He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together. Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Tuesday, October 17, 2023. I hope your week is off to a great start. And I hope by the time you listen to this, maybe it's almost Wednesday. And you're in a good in a good headspace. <laughs> head. It's just some head. <laughs> it's just some bud. Cop. It's in my lifetime, weed was tremendously criminalized and, and and cops really put a lot of people in jail because of it, as you know. But I was always like, it's just some bud. <laughs> Now you can get weed at the grocery store, but there was a time where they really, and I'm talking about you goddamn religious, self-righteous people, really made people with their uh, weed use feel like less than. And those people smoking weed, and I told you before, I never was a huge weed smoker. They were in their cars saying, you know, man, it's just some bud. <laughs> it's just some bud. Why is that so funny to me? Can I see what's in the license and glove box and all that? Hey, man, it's just some bud. You know what I mean? It's not an AR. It's just some bud. <laughs> weed was weed was bad. There was a time where there was a weed panic. In the wake of September 11th, they said if you smoked weed, you were supporting terrorism. And what they, the government, and those, they had public service announcements saying, like, if you were just buying some bud, <laughs> if you're just buying some bud, that you were actually committing terrorism. What nobody ever from the government's side of high and mighty never factored in was that people smoke weed and imbibe their substances to make it through the horrors of the world created by those governments. You know what I mean? So that's why it's like, you know, it's just some bud. You can't make the effect the cause. I've said it so many times on this podcast. You can't take people buying weed and say that's why we have terrorists. But that's what the vibe was like back in 2001. Forget about going back further in the, I don't, we don't need to talk about all the, Racial politics of uh, criminalizing drugs, which ones and which ones we don't, that sort of thing, and sentencing guidelines and all of that. Anyway, just saying, it's just some bud. You know what I mean? It's just some bud. <laughs> it's just some, you're in the right headspace. That's where, that's how I started on, on that whole uh, terrible little slide into, it's, you know what, man, it's just some bud. And that's, it's like, can't we be reasonable, cop? You know what I mean? Like, we're just a couple of guys out here trying to feed our families. I know what you're doing. You know what I'm doing. And what I'd like to say to you is, man, it's just some bud. It's just, it's just a little bud. <laughs> I hope you're in a good headspace. I, as you know, do not have the most harmonious relationship with the law enforcement community of the world. And I realized something even more, not even more, I realized something terrible about myself uh, on Monday when, 
my relationship with law enforcement community is uh, it's complex to say the least, which is amazing because I never have any interaction with them. Just knowing there is a force, forces, multiple forces and agencies out there insisting on uniformity and you know fascism troubles me. But in my heart of hearts, I am a supporter of first responders. I am a supporter of people who are doing good and being brave and courageous on behalf of others. I really am. So what I learned about myself is that I hate cops, which I, you've known. And as a result, but I, I, I want to support first, first uh, responders. So what I am is a total simp for the fire department. It's just I just noticed when on the way home from school, my daughter and I stopped off at the neighborhood fire station because she's interested in, <clears throat> excuse me, she's interested in ambulances and fire trucks and sirens and people pulling over and who do I think is inside and are they kids and was the driver a boy or a girl? It's never a non-binary paramedic for my daughter. And we'll work on that with her. We'll tell her that, you know, gender is a construct, and so are paramedics. And yeah, there are paramedics. I will be very clear to tell her, and I have told her, there are paramedics who don't sit in their truck and smoke cigarettes outside the grocery store, like Vaughn's or Ralph's, or in Atlanta, public, or as some people, Publix and Cro some people call it Kroger's. There are paramedics who don't smoke cigarettes while they're eating sandwiches. But she's really curious about them. She also is curious because she's a big fan of the artist Frida Kahlo. And Frida was hit by a car, had a car accident, and had to go in the ambulance. So the ambulance is top of mind for my daughter. And she hollers out, of all things, old school ambulance or new school ambulance. I think I mentioned that once or twice. Anyway, uh, so on the way home from school, we stopped by the fire department. The she wanted to know our neighborhood, um, or the one closest to, I guess, what the number was on the truck. She knows that, and because she's asked, she's asked them. I got to take off this sweatshirt. I apologize. You won't notice the difference. You'll notice the difference because I won't sound like such a hot, stuffy asshole. Okay, so my daughter, very interested in the fire service. She, What I was going to say is she knows that because she has asked, she and my wife once saw firefighters outside, outside a grocery store, and they were not smoking cigarettes. They were uh, just hanging out, probably buying DVDs, <laughs> whatever they were doing. The reason the fire trucks get to the scene before the paramedics is because their geographic obligation is smaller than the paramedics. So very often they are closer to where the emergency has occurred. And they do roll out on most emergencies. Someone has a heart attack, the fire department probably will be the first group of people there. And then the paramedics will come and do the heavier lifting uh, once the scene is secure. So my daughter knows that. Like you, you have a fire station in your neighborhood, they're going to be there before the paramedic. Also, the paramedic in San Diego is uh, privatized. It's contracted out. 
So she's very curious about about this stuff and wanted to know what the number was of the fire station and firefighters in our neighborhood. So this Monday, um, Monday, October 16th, on the way home from school, she and I stopped at the fire station and looked at it and saw the number. And it's a big station with like three huge glass sliding glass doors. And you can see that the red, big red truck is in there. There looks like a place where a truck might have been. And then there's a big yellow fire truck on the side. So there are two out of three trucks there. And we just sort of stood out there for a few minutes and talked about it and stared in. And like, wow, look at the size of the door. And there are hoses over there. Um, and we were milling around. And I was telling her like, well, girl, it doesn't seem like anyone's here right now. Or maybe they're sleeping. Let's come back later or let's come back another time. and Maybe we can get a better look at these. We got the number we needed. We got and we could get a better look at the at the engines because a lot of times the firefighters are out, you know, cleaning the trucks, spraying water on each other, having pillow fights, whatever they're doing. They're usually out and accessible. They're members of the community. They're ambassadors of the city in some way. So I said, we'll just come back. And right about the time I was saying that down comes a firefighter or out comes a firefighter who looks like a firefighter from the movies or from not even from the movies from a a kid's book on what a firefighter looks like which is to say uh a sinewy man who has a chiseled jaw and a mustache like a firefighter or like somebody who is in the aryan brotherhood but it i i lean more toward the fire toward the firefighter and makes me wonder now, do firefighters grow mustaches to filter the smoke out before it gets to their nose? Is that a thing? Why do firefighters have mustaches? Anyway, the guy came down and pressed the button and he rolled up the door. And he was, surprise, surprise, super nice and cool. And was like, hey, how's it going? I'm, uh, I'm cap, he didn't say captain. We found out later that he was captain. He said his name was Eric. And I'm like, hey, this is me and my daughter here. Uh, we're very interested in fire trucks. And he said, oh, come on, let's take a look. And he walked us into the, the, the garage. We have the big door up. The sun is shining through because she gets off, you know, she gets out of school at like 3 o'clock. Told you at 2.45 I'm driving by Moe's in Hillcrest where it looks like their team won the Super Bowl every day that I drive by there at 2.45. So Eric, that's the only way I know him, is showing us around the fire station. Shows us the hoses. Shows, he handed us his helmet, which felt felt like it weighed 20 pounds. And in, my daughter has is very curious, but um, you know, is not peppering him with questions like an annoying kid in a movie. She's also kind of asking me, like, why do they do that? And I was like, you know, what would be a great source a great <laughs> for information on that question, dear? is Eric who's standing right here. Anyway, Eric walked us all around, showed us the truck, showed us the 200-foot uh, hose that could stretch across the street, talked about how it's every time this truck goes out here, you have to have four guys. He showed us his, uh, he showed us his pants and boots and how they're bunched up so in the middle of the night they can just slide down in their boxers or whatever or shorts and just jump into 
And all this stuff. He had me hold the coat, his coat, which is like, here, dude, hold my car. <laughs> That's when I realized I was kind of simping for the fire department because I could have stayed in this situation. It was almost like, it wasn't like stolen valor, but it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't stealing any valor. But I was firmly in there rubbing shoulders with the firefighters not as if I had anything to do with it, but I probably was overcompensating for my distrust of police with my embrace of Eric and everything he was telling us. I was, you know what I was doing? I was kind of like, wow, isn't that amazing, girl? He, he, he wears shoes to work. And isn't that, I mean, their job is incredible. But I, I realized like, wow, I'm, I'm, I could stay here for a while just being like a friend of the fire department. Showing his daughter. It was not my intention, but I was kind of milking it, I realized. Like, cause my, even my daughter's like, all right, dude, how much more can we show of the, you know, how you roll the hoses up? And I'm like, well, let's see what, what, Eric, what else Eric wants to show us. And Eric's like, yeah. Turns out Eric was the captain. And I'm, and then I'm like in a minute, two minutes in, I'm like, well, Cap, what do you think about... <laughs> I'm talking to him like... Like we're equally manly and, and we're not. This is a captain of a metropolitan fire station. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I do go to, to uh, what is it called? Border X Brewing in Barrio Logan to do an open mic every Monday night. But I'm not doing what you do. You know what I mean? And I, why do I put that in the same comment? Because the open mic, San Diego Comics, who will start listening to this someday, if you're not going to that open mic at Border X Brewing in Barrio Logan, Si Barrio, no junkyards. What is that? What is the Yonkes? Si Barrio, no Yonkes. That means yes, neighborhood, no junkyards. Barrio Logan. It's a real grind ball of a mic. It's terrible. There's music playing in the room. There are people having a better time being by themselves, laughing, cracking up, drinking micheladas, maybe drinking beers, having a good time, paying no attention to what you're doing on stage. And it's the stuff that makes you strong as a comic. I love it. The host of the show did 20 minutes crowd working, essentially people with their backs to him, Last night, after the last comic went on. You know what I mean? That's a grime ball mic that's going to make everybody that does it better. You're not going to learn a whole lot about your material. <laughs> probably. But you're going to... You're going to be stronger for it. That's my... I'm, I'm not done with the fire department yet, I promise. That's my favorite... I've told you before, people went in Atlanta. Tell me a good open mic. They all suck. But they're, they're all good for you. I know what they mean when they say what's the best. The best is one at a club like Laughing Skull Lounge where it's like, holy cow, I, uh, I could headline Carnegie Hall here. That's how good that place makes people feel. But that's not the whole story. The whole story is told in places like, uh, I can't remember the name of the brewery. Border X. Border X Brewing, which is, I read, like one of the largest and only uh, one of the fewest, largest and fewest 
Latino-owned breweries in the United States of America. You have to do Border X Brewing. It's it's terrible and great. You know, I'm a bit of a whatever for punishment. I'm glad for punishment. Anyway, I was I was affiliating myself with the fire department yesterday or today, whenever it was, and I was just I really I, I sort of thought about it like yeah, fire department's badass, and I know that Brian Simpson has a great joke about that that you can see on his. Um, Maybe Comedy Central half hour, but he has a great joke about the fire firefighters, and and I I was kind of like yeah I'm here and this is my daughter and wow Cap that's that's incredible. We talked a little bit about fires, some big fires in San Diego history. He's like, do you remember the one from 2003 or 2007? I was like, I remember 2003 because there was smoke in the neighborhoods. 2007, the one that uh, I was living in Atlanta for. Uh, that claimed my family home. Have I ever told you that? Our family home that my juggling instructor and mom bought and kids graduated high school out of. I didn't graduate. <laughs> but other kids graduated high school. That house was leveled by a fire in 2007. We talked about fires. Very important and related to my daughter's emerging uh, playground enthusiasm. Uh, she's you know, now at a stage where the monkey bars are within reach uh, and they also represent a bit of like, ooh, that's kind of far down to the ground and she's checking it all out. Monkey bars and also the fire pole at the uh, playground where you have to stick your hands out and at some point you have to kind of make the leap of faith and jump out and, and wrap your legs around the pole and slide down. The pole, the point is, the pole and the monkey bars are top of mind for her as well. So I said, hey, you know what, girl? The fire pole, usually in the station, they usually have one of those because it's going to save them about five seconds getting downstairs. And I said to Cap, I'm like, hey, Cap, that's what I mean. Like, I was a little familiar. I was never disrespectful, of course. But I was was like, yeah, Cap, because then some other dude came down. I was like, oh, yeah, hey, Cap mentioned that (laughs) that it's just some bud. You know what I mean, Cap? can you roll we got to see the fire pole and my daughter i don't know if that was the highlight but she was like whoa look at that and it's you know two stories up they jump on the pole in the middle of the night sail down it it's probably more efficient i would say than going downstairs in the middle of the night i can slip on some stairs anyway it was really cool we soaked it all in and toward the end i found myself saying things like so uh so what do you, what kind of cookies do you like? <laughs> what, I, my wife likes to bake. My d- daughter is getting into the baking tradition with her. And, uh, and I said, so, so I was like, you know, we're not that far away. We can bring you some, some cookies. And Cap was like, whatever, whatever, uh, you know, my daughter wants, whatever he said to her, whatever you want. Whatever your favorite kind are, have we'll, we'll take those. He's like, we'll eat anything, of course. And I said, okay, we'll do that. And so we're going to, that's that's where I was. I was sort of like, and, and, you know, I'll bring you my wife if you want. Whatever you guys need, just so I can signal I'm down with some first responders. 
And yeah, if you're a cop that's doing something brave and courageous and not shooting minorities for no reason or just being fucking enforcers of fascist, you know, corporate institutional, you know what I mean? Of course, I'm not going to be like, I support first responders except for these. But guys are really dicks. Firefighters don't really move that way, it seems, which is why I never understood when firefighters go into scenes of urban chaos. Don't, you should give them a pass. If you have ever lived in a marginalized community where there's been civil unrest and firefighters have come into your neighborhood and you're throwing rocks at them and shooting at them, <clears throat> excuse me, would you please write into the podcast and let me know why you're doing that? I understand the cops. They're kind of like a, they can be a bit like an occupying force. But what's the beef with the fire department? What, what have they done? I'm, I, maybe I don't know. And you can let me know, but I feel like they should get a pass, shouldn't they? They're the, they're the firefighters. And you're like, well, we're trying to start fires, and they're here to put them out. Okay, and that's fair enough, I guess. So toward the end of our tour of the fire station, I said, can we, do you have any shirts? You know, in Atlanta, the firefighters, I guess, are so poorly funded by the city that the firefighters stand out in front of their station with a boot in their hand, and you're supposed to drive by and drop a 20 in or whatever it is. These these are San Diego Fire shirts with the... They're pretty cool, actually. They're SoCal, to say the least, with the station number, and then on the back, it says SDFD, uh, and then kind of a banner that says Let's Roll, and then two, two dice. You know what's interesting is is they I guess can can say let's roll. There was a time because <clears throat> uh, because you know tragedy tragic narratives are controlled by others that we weren't supposed to say let's roll because that's what those brave souls did when they attacked the hijackers on that plane I think that ditched in that field in Pennsylvania on September 11th. Anyway. There was a time where if you said, let's roll, it's like, that's disrespectful. You can't say that. It's like, all right, it's the figure of expression that, like, okay, man, I'm sorry. It's, a, it's, 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 it's an expression that existed long before those brave souls took those actions and said those words on a plane. I apologize. The language is so weird, and so is the zeitgeist in a, in a fascist, and I, I, that's a word I overuse. But it's true, dude. I remember a football player, Kellen Winslow too, who has had a fucking, been a disaster and caused, I think he's locked up forever now. He's a criminal, subsequent to what I imagine is a lot of CTE, and I'm not sympathizing with him, but I'm sure he had CTE. And Anyway, I remember when he was, he lost a football game, and they like cut to him, and they're like, why did you try to hurt that guy? Why'd you do that? And he's like, I'm a fucking soldier. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to win. I'm a soldier. I'm gonna, it was, you know, 19 year old kid just going so large. I'm a fucking soldier. And I'm trying, you know, it's too much for a lot of people. And he got murdered because he got murdered in the conversation because he was saying, I'm a soldier at the time. The United States of America had soldiers deployed somewhere. I suppose, in Iraq. 
But this guy all his life has been conditioned as a football player. Like, it's you against them. Take the hill. Kill, kill, kill. You're a fucking soldier. Go, go, go. Give young people a break, would you? Similarly, if you're working at these companies and you're making a list of people who might be 20 years old saying some shit later on that they might regret about current events happening in Israel, in Gaza. If you're a CEO who's sitting around making lists of 22-year-olds that you shouldn't hire because they ran their mouth when they're in college, you're a fucking asshole. I'm not saying don't learn your lesson. Maybe 22 you should know. But God damn, you're still not fully formed. Give young people a break, would you? So somebody at some prestigious school says some shit that's perceived. Is it anti-Israeli? Is it anti-Semitic? Is it anti-the state of Israel? Or is it just insensitive and fucking clueless? I don't know, CEO person. That's your job to figure out. But give me a list of all the people who said... That's some real kind of fascist, fascist shit, I believe. And why am I not spending the whole podcast talking about what the horrors that are happening over in the Middle East? Because you can go watch that wherever else you want. But just the idea of being a CEO making a list of young people, it's pretty, what are you doing, dude? Are you hurt? Are you angry? Good. Fine. The experience, if you feel it, it's real. But are you making lists of young people to, to make sure that they can never make a living? <clears throat> I don't know. Doesn't seem like the kind of behavior you would want. They're 20, they're 20 years old, 22 years old, whatever the case may be. Make a list of them and never hire them. All right. Okay, dude. Okay. Does this have anything to do with the firefighters? 100% it does because... The firefighters have let's roll on the back of their shirts. I'm, I'm out of what CEOs should be doing. The firefighters, the San Diego firefighters have let's roll on the back of their shirts and then two die, two dice, dice, the paradise. Two die equals dice. Oh, dice, manny. Hickory dickory dock. Oh. Dice, two dice. You have two dice? You know what I'm saying. Let's roll, and there are two dice to die. Fuck, I got to move on. And then there's sweet shirts. So I said, can, can we buy a shirt? You know, I'm, I'm trying. I want to support and kind of simp out some more. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I said, can I, can I buy a shirt? Can we buy a shirt? And they said, hold the cap. I said, cap, you mind if I get a couple, uh, couple stretchies? Hey, cap. You want chow time? I'm gonna make. I was like the other guys, probably in the back making the making the stew. I asked about the shirts, and he said, "Yeah, let me let me call the guy." And he called the guy, and the guy came down, and there is a the smallest shirt they have is still like a dress for my daughter, but I bought it. And then he, I said, "What about me?" And and I even did this. This was not trying to simp or. I'm a man like you, but the second guy who came out, I was like, he said, what, what size are you? And I'm like, yeah, you know, about your size, whatever that is, large. <laughs> you know, because we're, we're both men, like the same way, you know? So, yeah, I'm, Cap, I'm, I'm kind of physically like this dude, this guy here that hauls, hauls uh, hoses for you, right? And drives this big truck and 
pulls cats out of trees and saves people's lives. He and I are roughly the kind of same physical. Yes, yeah, that's you know that's what he that guy and I have in common physically is we both wear a large shirt. It might stop there. Although you know what, I don't know if he can keep up with me in a run these days because for the last three weeks it's six mile Sunday. Yeah, and one of my miles, where? One of my miles. They were all under nine, by the way. Six miles, every mile under nine minutes. But that the only way this, the only, but I was just like, Cap, this guy and I have roughly the same stature. <laughs> These men, we're just men in the firehouse. <laughs> I talked to him. I said to Cap, hey, have you heard of this book On Fire by Larry Brown? I have I ever talked to you about this on this podcast? Get this book called On Fire by Larry Brown, the late Larry Brown. It's a collection of short stories by Larry Brown, who is a was a man from Mississippi who was a firefighter in Oxford, Mississippi for 20 years while he was teaching himself how to write. And then he wrote and became a good writer just through grinding and sticking with it, which is, I just love that he just, this is what I want to do and kept doing it. So then he wrote stories about being a firefighter. And then he wrote other stories. And, and he, he, <clears throat> he probably has written some things. I know On Fire best. But he probably has written things you know. His name is Larry Brown, and the book is called On Fire. It's really, really a good, uh, entertaining, thoughtful human read. And I mentioned it to Cap. I'm like, have you heard of this? No, he hadn't. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take down the book on fire and give it to Cap. While I also, because I said this, the other firefighter and I have the same size. He said, oh yeah, we don't have any larges anymore. And he brought down the small one for my daughter. I'm like, I'll get that. It's going to be a dress, but she's super excited and stoked about it. And, and then, and of course, they put like two stickers on it, like she's a junior firefighter. And then he comes out and he's like, I got an extra large. It'll shrink a little bit. And I was like, you know, man, I'm, what am I going to do? Am I going to say, nah, fuck that, dude. I'm going to get the right size for me. No, I'm going to pay $15. I'm going to pay $20 for that shirt, $15 for the one for my daughter. And the extra large will never fit. But now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take, when I take the on fire book down there too, when I'm hanging out with my friends at the station. When the crew and I are down at the, at the station, I'm going to take the On Fire book. I'm going to take some cookies or brownies that my wife will have made. And I'm going to take the XL and I'm going to ask if they have a medium shirt that I will then give to my wife. That's, that's how to handle that. It was really fun. And, and then I realized, yeah, I probably am leaning into this just a little bit um, to compensate for my uh, my feelings for other branches of, of uh, first responders, I suppose. Nothing that made me proud. And, you know, I wasn't like, hey, Cap, you think I could do a few push-ups here? And, and you know, I can, uh, you know, wash the dog. I forgot to ask if they have a dog. Also, I think Dalmatians are crazy. Anyway, if you... Or a San Diego comic, you have to go to Border X. You have to go to Border X Brewing on Monday nights. It's a terrible open mic. <laughs> but it's my favorite one. And 
and I, I, I love it. You can buy a beer and get five. And the, by the way, Border X beer is very good. Buy a beer, you get two extra minutes. You get a whole five that you're doing to, uh, you know, a bunch of people yelling outside. No one's listening. Other comics there. Like I've told you before, it's super loud. And you can tell if something's hitting by the, you, you see their teeth. You're not going to hear anything. Um, even though last week the, the sound was 10 times better. What I have to ask myself here, dear listeners, sorry for the squeak. The chair was rubbing up against something. Uh, what I have to ask myself here, in the spirit of getting my act together, is how much do I want to invest in writing this bit about a gay mecca? And just saying out loud to you right now, the answer for the exercise is to fully invest myself into making a good bit out of it. That's the answer. And, you know, not every joke has to have some meaning, right? All it has to do is make you laugh. And, but, I, I'm, but I've been, last several nights I've gone out, been working on this thing about a gay mecca, which was prompted by, you know, like, Hillcrest is the gay mecca in San Diego, but like, what if there were a gay mecca? You know what I mean? You make the pilgrimage. You've purchased your ticket. You had your seat punched. <laughs> you get to the middle of Saudi Arabia where you think there is, you know, is it the birthplace of the prophet? Hometown? And it's not at all what you thought. It's like everybody's playing volleyball in jean shorts. Like, this is pretty gay. I didn't know it was going to be like this. So where I'm, you know, first of all, I don't want to sound like a 14-year-old boy telling gay jokes. Well, it does. And what I have to ask is how do I make it meaningful? And I think the way I found it meaningful is to not really make it about gay Mecca, but to make the joke about making a joke about Islam. Because, you know, I think we all have some pretty good associations for where that is going to take you. The list of people who have, uh, the list of people who have gone head on at Islam, which I would not be doing. I'm, my Muslim brotherhood out there, please know I'm not coming directly at, at Islam. Uh, I'm going at uh, gay Muslims. It's not a, it's not a list you want to, I think, right? It's not a, it's, it's not a cohort. Salman Rushdie did it, but he was actually, he actually offended specifics. I'm just trying to do a play on words here. Rushdie wrote the satanic verses. I'm just trying to write a little bit about gay Mecca. But if I make the bit about, you know what I mean? Here, here, sorry, but it's, it's my podcast. It's called getting my act together. So I'm just thinking it through here. What if there were a gay Mecca? That's where it starts. What is the point of that? Just to get a laugh. But I could make it something with a little bit of meaning if I make it a joke about, if I make it a bit about making a bit that involves Islam, where 
you know, you might get beheaded for offending someone's uh, sensibilities. You might, uh, I'm not drawing any pictures of anyone. But really, if, if comics are supposed to go, I'm, I'm not going to make a career out of going after Islam or any other religion. But I think I can make it a joke about, about, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a bit about making a bit about Islam. And why, why is that tricky to do? Well, because it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, jihadists have the, you know, greatest sense of humor. I don't know. They don't seem, seem to be like, oh yeah, cool, dude. I saw what you were doing there. You kind of tried to take like the Top Gun volleyball scene and set it in uh, our most holy setting. I told, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. We were oiled up and, and had dog tags and dark caves and batois. I'm on board, you know? The only interesting thing in the joke to me right now is something I came up with, something that occurred to me through just talking it out, writing it out. You have to spend time with the material. On Friday, before I took it out to an open mic where both times I've gone, a dog has barked in the middle of my set. The joke and the idea that there is a gay mecca is hypothetical. Just like Islam. And that realization that what I'm saying, I'm making a hypothetical thing about a hypothetical thing, is that hits me that there's something in there. Or not something in there, that that's interesting to me. Yeah, this joke is fantastic, not fantastic good, but like ridiculous and it's conjecture and based on suggested ideas. It's hypothetical, which is exactly what Islam is. Islam, by the way, and every other religion. But I can't stop there and be a TED Talk, right? Like, whoa, look what I did. See? How cool is that? I said, religion, God is dead. Muhammad is whatever. Muhammad's not God. Muhammad's the prophet. But God is Allah. But all of it is hypothetical. <laughs> I just That's just, just saying. That's what's interesting to me. Is it funny? No, it's not. Is it clever guy? Look what I did. Now, now that I learned to read, religion doesn't... You know what I mean? Like, it, go, it, it becomes like a punch down. It go, it's like punching at least uh, someone at the same level, if not punching up organized religion, to punching down in like, I'm the guy who knows it's hypothetical. Which is like, all right, you jerk off, get off stage. I don't know how much more time I will invest in it, but the answer I said at the beginning is I will invest enough to make it a, a reasonable bit. I don't want it to be clever guy, look at what I did there. But maybe, this is a thought I had, maybe I could make the bit about religious people know religion's horseshit, right? Sorry, that was a little strong. Religious people know you know what I mean? It's preposterous. <laughs> you, he had spikes nailed through and his hands, and then he was run through with some swords 
And then he just dipped and then came back three days later. You know what I mean? But I thought it could be a bit about sensitivity. If you're a religious person who hears something sideways about your religion, if you're pure of faith, true in heart and all that, clear eyes, full heart, what do you care? Aside from the fact that it's wildly disrespectful. I get it. I get why edge I mean, je suis Charlie, but if you're an edgelord editorial cartoonist who's drawing, you know, wildly provocative, uh, disrespectful uh, cartoons of uh, religious characters, this is the right word, religious characters, I understand why people are going to get pissed off. I, I understand that. That's disrespectful. But for the lay, the lay Muslim, the lay, am I saying this the right way? The lay Christian. People who are not extremists in their religion. If you're at peace with what, if you know in your heart where your faith is and what you believe, why would you care what anybody else fucking says about it? That's the, isn't that, that's what I'm getting at. Is that funny? Well, it's not funny right now. I know that, talking about it and subjecting you to it. What if there were a gay Mecca? Like, damn, this is, this is not at all what I thought. No one is wearing a robe. Well, then it's just like Palm Springs. <laughs> like, it's equally hot in the summertime. Saudi Arabia and Palm Springs. Gay Mecca is a ridiculous idea. So is religion. But gay Mecca is a, is a ridiculous idea. I could get a few jokes out of it that are, you know, disrespectful and homophobic. Great. Checking those boxes. And then make it a joke about making a joke about Islam. And that's, uh, you know, how good do you want it to be? That, how big do I want that joke to be? Would I ever record that joke? If I recorded that joke, then it would just be one of those bits that's like, watch what I'm doing here. And I'm so self-conscious and self-aware and I'm walking this tightrope and voila. Maybe I was a little edgelordy and, and I don't think I would ever record it. Then why am I working on it? Well, because I'm working on it now because it's a problem to solve. So I'm going to solve the problem. I'll let you know how it resolves. But that's why. I, I would never record, I don't think. It's not, none of this, aside from like, what the fuck was religion, seems naturally interesting to me. Like gay mecca. It's just a dumb uh, pun that I had. But the idea of, you know, if we're more secure in their religion than you, why should you care? I'm not going to be, you know, drawing these wild cartoons, but. I'm going to finish it for the exercise and then get on with my life, which I'm going to also let you do. I'm going to let you get on with your life. 
Support the firefighters. Red lives matter. I'm out here. I'm, I'm going to swap the shirt so my wife can... My wife... What am a cuck am I? I'm going to... Hey, do you have a shirt that would... You know, instead of my physique that I could put on my wife so she could really be like one of the one of the crew here I'll, I'll send her down to and we'll bring some cookies and it's like what are we doing here guy anyway have a great week and I will talk to you on Friday if you're in San Diego God please every Monday night go to Border X and have a delicious beer and enjoy that grimy mic um, si vario no yonkes <laughs>